what it meant then and tell you how it applies to your life now. One of the other things I'm supposed to do is to address the needs and situation of the flock. Um, so sometimes you have to address what's going on in the world. September 9-11, of course, we address that here. Um, and this COVID-19 uh, coronavirus is something that is, seems to be affecting every one of your lives, and some for the good and some for the bad. Uh, not much good, but mostly for the bad. Um, and so I felt it was, it was my responsibility to talk about that this morning. Um, I'm going to dispel a lot of the stuff. I'm going to try to help you understand what you need to be concerned about and what you don't need to be concerned about. And uh, at the beginning, I'm going to give my little rant. That way I can cut this first portion off and before I post it online. So here you go. Here is the part I don't want to go online. You're going to, because you're my family and we're close and we love each other. Uh, you're going to get my, my first little rant. Uh, please, please, only buy as much toilet paper as your family needs. <laughs> please. Uh, you know, we, as Americans and civilization uh, and our societies, even in small towns like Yatesville, uh, we have a system that works really well. I have never went to Walmart and not been able to, and maybe not the brand I want, but not been able to buy toilet paper because they know how much to ship. The toilet paper company knows how much to make. They know how to keep the shelf stock for what everybody needs. And if everybody didn't go crazy and buy more than they needed, we wouldn't have a shortage like this. Buying all the bread, buying all the milk. But mine is please do not buy all the toilet paper. Uh, all right. So that part's not going on mine. But, but I love y'all. And that is, the reason I bring that up is to tell you that there's a lot of panic going on that doesn't need to be going on. Um, there's a lot of hysteria that is going on that does not need to be going on. And I want to address those. But at the same time, I don't want to dispel the seriousness of what is actually going on. And so we will be talking about that from a scriptural perspective today. So look, before we get started, let's open up in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we know that you know all things. Father, you know everything about coronavirus. You know everything about our lives. You know everything about the people who will get sick and who will die. Father, but we also know that you intervene in this world. Father, we also know that you, you stop plagues in their path. Father, we know that you heal people who otherwise would not have been healed in any natural way. And so, Father, we do ask for you to shield and protect us. Father, we do ask for you to heal those who get sick. Um, but, Father, we want to look at what you've said in your word. And, Father, we want to trust in you, and we want to live this life the way you've asked us to live it. So, Father, please guide this, this service and help us to understand this and help us to take away from this what you want us to take away so that we can go back to our lives and live them the way you want us to live them. We love you, Father, and we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name we pray. Amen. I chose this picture because this shows what life is going to be like one day. Uh, the lion is supposed to represent Jesus, I believe, the lion from the tribe of Judah. But even if it doesn't represent Jesus, because I don't know who made this photo, um, one thing that is clear that they are showing is that there is a promise in Scripture that one day that children and lions will get along, um, that the world will be put back the way that God originally intended it. And this is the peace that we will all have and that we strive to have on a day-to-day -day basis now. 
But um, when we turn on the news, is this what we see? Peace. No, this is, this is what we see. Fear, terror, panic, hysteria. That's what we see. Now, is this appropriate? My answer is only for some, not for most. And that's what I want to address. Is COVID-19, is the coronavirus serious? It is for some. It is. There have been thousands, thousands who have contracted this disease and did not survive, have died already. There will be thousands and thousands more who will contract this disease and will not make it. They will die. Now, I looked up some statistics so far, and of course, they'll get more accurate as time goes on. But if by age, if you are 80 and older, you have a 21.93% chance of dying. If you're 80 and older and you contract this, you have a 20% chance. You will die. And that is why it does become serious for certain people. Now, the younger and more healthy your immune system is, the less likely you are to actually die. We do know that people in their 30s and 40s are dying. And that's what the news is putting out there to scare everyone. It is happening. So we, we should never downplay the seriousness of this. The other reality that we have to come to face with is it is coming here. It is not going to stop somewhere else. It is coming here. And this morning I was, uh, I was contacted. Uh, another pastor always texts me every Sunday morning telling me he's praying for me. And he let me know this morning that half of the churches that he's talked to so far are, not, are no longer having services. Um, a lot of churches are trying to get ahead of this, not having everybody gather together, are already putting their services online or just not meeting until the beginning of April. Some are, some are pushing it out longer. So people are taking measures and taking it seriously. But what I want you to know is if you are healthy, there's no guarantee you will survive it. But if you are healthy, there is no reason for you to go into mass panic. There's no need for you to panic. If you are 80 and older, or if you have some type of lung disease, or if you have some type of, of problem, because that's where it hits you hardest is the lungs, then you should be concerned. But my job as pastor is not to be your doctor. My job as your pastor is not to give you medical advice my job as your pastor as we're going to get to in this sermon is to prepare you to die not what you want to hear today is it because see i'm talking to everybody i'm not just talking to those who are likely to die from coronavirus my job as your pastor for everyone here young middle age older doesn't matter my job as your pastor is to prepare you to meet jesus and to look forward to meeting jesus that's my job and to try to help you live your life in the midst of the chaos that we find ourselves in. Now, if, if, it was a, if it was a different topic, I would probably be addressing a different topic. But this, is, this seems to be what we've all found ourselves in. So let's look at the scriptures. Let's look at this, and let's see if we can dispel some of the myths, play down some of the hysteria, and let's see what God has to say about this kind of thing. Leviticus 13, 45 to 52 God gave these rules to the people of Israel. He said, The person who has a case of serious skin disease is to have his clothes torn and his hair hanging loose, and he must cover his mouth 
and cry out, unclean, unclean. He will remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He must live alone in a place outside the camp. Have you heard the statement, which I'm sure many of you have, have you heard the statement, we as Christians should not be worried because God's going to protect us, right? As Christians, we shouldn't be worried because God's going to protect us. I've heard that statement about church shootings. Have y'all heard that? We shouldn't be worried about church shootings because God's going to protect us. Have churches got shot up? Yeah. What's the, what's the most violent one we are familiar with recently? Anybody know? Texas? Sutherland Springs? 23, 26? I think it was 26. 26 dead, including the pastor's daughter. 12-year-old girl, I think she was. She was young. If God's really going to make keep us from any of this happening to us on earth, then why is the pastor's daughter and half the congregation dead? It was a church the same size as ours. They had a membership of 50 people. Half of them died that day. Another 20-something were injured and, had to, and were shot. If God is going to keep you from getting a disease because you're Christian. Why did he tell his people that if someone got a disease that they were to be quarantined outside the camp? Wouldn't that be hypocritical of God? See, God has made promises. And he's made promises we can count on. But see, the promises that people are trying to rely on now are oftentimes the promises he's made for the next life. God has promised he'll wipe away every disease. God has promised that he will keep anyone from getting sick. There will be no more sickness or death or disease or, or pain. He promised that in the next life. Jesus comes on the scene and he tells his disciples the opposite about this life. Jesus said, if you follow me, you're going to be persecuted, not protected. That you're going to be crucified, not hidden by God's hand. He's not going to hide you and, and pull you out of the crowd. He's going to let people stone you to death. Stephen was the first martyr we have in the book of Acts. Stephen was looking up into heaven and saw Jesus at the right hand of God standing. Jesus was standing looking at Stephen and watched him and allowed him to get stoned to death in front of his face. Because Jesus promised us that in this life, we will have trials, we will have sickness, we will have earthquakes, we will have devastation, we will have wars, we will have all kinds of things happen to us in this life. That's why we should prepare for them. We should be ready for them. And how was Stephen ready to be stoned to death? He was about to be stoned to death. He did not look at the, Jew, at, at the, at the, the, the group that he had, was ministering to, the religious leaders that were there at the banquet, he didn't look at them and say, please don't kill me. He said, look, I see heaven open and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He had prepared himself to die. And as Christians, we all must prepare ourselves to die. All of us. Because I can't promise that COVID-19 is not going to take out one or two people here in Yatesville. I can't promise that. 
God doesn't promise that. But we can prepare ourselves to either die now or die later. And if you're not ready, that's why I'm here. If you're not ready, that's why I'm not your doctor. I'm your pastor. That's what I do. That's what I'm here for, to help people get ready to meet Jesus. But do I think that, do I think that COVID-19 is going to swipe through our church and wipe us all out? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But do you know someone that you love, that you're close to, that you think has a high likelihood that it might? We all do. We all know someone we love that it might. And so we need to take precautions, just like, just like God told his people to take precautions. We need to take precautions. We don't need to panic. We just need to be prepared. We don't need to panic. We just need to take precautions. He goes on, if a fabric is contaminated with mildew and wool or linen fabric if, if, in the warp or weft, linen, the point is he's talking about mold. If there's mold and mildew, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to quarantine it for about seven days right here. The priest is to examine the contamination and quarantine the contaminated fabric for seven days. You're supposed to quarantine it so it doesn't affect everything else. Then come back and check it out. And if it is, you're supposed to burn it all. See, God gave his people laws about hygiene, about how to, to handle diseases, how to handle infectious diseases that can spread. He gave them instructions and laws. And he said, if you follow them, then, then y'all are going to be okay. If you don't follow them, then things are just going to go crazy. He didn't promise that I'm just going to eliminate them. He said, this is how I want you to live. Your day-to-day -day life. Why? Because on your day-to-day -day life, from now until Jesus comes back, we're always going to have these things. It's, it was the swine flu. Or, I'm setting off Siri up here. It, you know, sometimes, you know, we've, we've had the SARS. We've had MERS. We've had COVID-19. We've had, in the past, if you, if you go way back and you go back to time, see, as, as, as a, us as a society, we follow these pretty well. We follow these guidelines God gave us pretty well. Who uses hand sanitizer? Who washes their hands? Who, if somebody calls, if their cousin or family member says, some, somebody says, I got a virus, you say, <laughs> never mind. I'll, uh, I'll see you when you get well, <laughs> right? That's exactly what God told us to do. He said, this is how you're going to get on with your day-to-day -day life. This is how you're going to go on because there's always going to be disease. There's always going to be something. And the more dangerous the disease is, the more precautious you should be. But this is how you are to live. This is how you're to get by. And so this is what he said. And as Americans, we do that. But if you go back in time, Let's jump over to Europe into the, the mid-1300s. Anybody remember this? The bubonic plague. Remember this? They didn't follow these guidelines. Now, if, if we, you know, people didn't know about germs, microscopic germs, microscopic viruses. Nobody knew those existed for thousands of years. They didn't, you couldn't see it, didn't know it was there. They had no idea. But thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, God told us how to prepare for these things. You say either the Israelites were incredibly intelligent or somebody who actually knew what was going on told them how to, how to deal with it. That would be God. But in Europe, in the 1300s, the bubonic plague wiped out, I, I hate to say, because I looked it up, but I didn't write it down, like 20 million, 200 million, some, some ginormous number. 
45 to 60 percent of the entire people of Europe, over half, half the people, gone. They didn't know this. You jump a little bit forward to the 1700s, there was a guy who he worked in a hospital, and do you know what the death rate of at childbirth was? How, what the percentage of the women who gave childbirth, how many of them died at that time? 30%. One out of every three childbirths, the mother died. The doctor figured it out. One doctor. I can't remember his name. One doctor. He figured it out. What the doctors were doing, their normal practice, because they didn't know what germs were back then, they would come in in the morning and they would get started in their morning routine by observing the cadavers. So you had the dead people, and they would go in and, and, and kind of figure, look at them, try to figure out what went, went wrong. Then, without washing their hands, they would go deliver babies. And the germs that they were taking from the cadavers were killing the mothers. A doctor figured it out because he, he was like, this, is, this should not be this way. A third of the women should not be dying. He made his practice and his people, he made them wash their hands. It went from 30% to 2% immediately. Not gradually, immediately. He then tried to convince all these other doctors to please wash your hands before you go deliver the baby. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. They called him crazy. They said, because he, they were like, you know, he's talking about the things we can't see are causing this. Something on our hands is, is doing this. And they're like, that's nonsense. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't wash their hands. The women kept dying. And he ended up going insane. The doctor ended up going insane. He could not handle the fact that he knew that all these women were dying and he knew how to save them and he could not convince people to do it. Today, we don't live like that anymore. We don't have to worry about that. We just have to be precautious. So what should we do here at church? This is a gathering of believers. By the way, this is also pollen season. So I just want to throw it out there with people who have allergies just because somebody's sneezing and sniffling. Don't, don't, think, don't run from them. But what should we do? I mean, we have to be able to, to handle life. We have to be able to move on with life. What we do is we don't go buy all the milk and bread and toilet paper in the store. You buy what you need for your family. And what do you do? We have a large church gathering here. It's a good idea for the next month or so we don't shake hands. That's not hard. And it doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means you have someone close to you that could die if they get this. And I don't, I don't want that on my conscience. To know that I picked it up from somebody and I gave it to you, you gave it to them, they're dead. I don't, I don't want that on my conscience. I don't want them dead. So, until this big peak rolls past us, which probably be another month, we just don't shake hands. We tell each other, love you. I hope you do have a great week this week. If you're in that category, I would recommend, if you're over 80 or you have some type of lung disease, I would recommend you hold off coming to church until this big wave sweeps by. Because it's about to sweep by. It's coming. It's, a, it, it's starting off small right now. It's about to get big, and then it'll be gone. It may not be gone forever, but the big wave will be gone. 
And the last but not least, why is it a concern? Why is it a concern? Like, why can't we handle this virus? Why is it a big deal? It's not because we can't handle the virus. We just can't handle it in the large numbers that it's producing. Okay? More people have been killed by the flu than the virus so far. It's not that we can't handle the flu. Let's just get back to the virus. The point is about the virus is, y'all, how many people have been to Upson Regional? How many people have been in the ICU ward? Like you visited someone in the ICU, you, you didn't, yourself didn't have to be in there, but you've been in the ICU ward. You, see, you know it's a, a small round room, right? How many, how many rooms do they have? Eight. Eight. You know what that means? It means they can put eight people on a respirator at one time. After eight, can't help you. They have some portable ones that don't work as well, but they got some portable ones. We can bump that up to 10, maybe 15 at the most. I don't really know the number. But we can bump that up a little bit, but not dramatically. Why is this such a big deal? Because so many people get it at the same time. It spreads so fast. So what happens when 100 people in Upson need to be hospitalized? We, can, we might can save 20 of them. Others, we just can't help you. That's why. That's why. That's why, that, that's why we have to be careful. That's why we have to be precautious. Our country, our state, our hospitals are not prepared to deal with the numbers that get infected at one time. That's why. So, I hope that has helped calm you a little bit. You say, well, what part of that was calming? <laughs> the part that is, if you will be precautious and do what God has told us to do, then we can get on with our lives. We can. But if this virus kills you, I want you to know where you're going before you die. Because it could be the virus or it could be a car wreck. It could be a plane crash. It could be a different virus another day. It could be anything. But there's no need to panic. We just need to be precautious. And quit believing all this crazy stuff on the news. You cannot transmit the coronavirus over iPhone. FaceTime does not have that capability yet. There's a lot of people out there making up a lot of stuff. So if I can give you one piece of advice would be to stay off Facebook. <laughs> That's my advice all year long. <laughs> You're right. You're right about that. You're right. So. I, I might as well, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I got. That's all I got. I'm, I was not, I'll be, I'll be honest, I was not prepared for this. this is, I have not been working on this all week. I, I threw this together yesterday. <laughs> okay. So I'm sorry. We did take a break from our kingdom of God, but we'll get right back on that next week. But I just, 
I just felt like I can't not address this. So when we come in here in two weeks and we have communion, I have not yet figured out exactly what we're going to do about the, the cups, but I have decided for the, for the communion bread, I'm going to put them in little Ziploc bags and just sit them all out in the pews, and you can just pick up your own bag and eat your own little piece of bread. The reason I say that is because when you come in, when people catch this virus, they don't know they have it yet. That's why it spreads so fast. You get it, you don't know you have it because you didn't know you was around somebody who had it. You got it, now you're giving it to somebody else. You don't know you're giving it to somebody else. You don't know yet. It's only until once the symptoms start showing up and they don't show up in everybody that has it. So what we're going to do is we're going to make where nobody's passing one thing to every single other person in this church, and we're just going to figure out a way to do it. I'm still thinking about how to do the cups, but we'll, we'll figure something out. I, I, I'm, I would say I'd go to Lifeway and buy those little individual ones, but... Sadly, LifeWay's not anymore. So, but anyways, we'll, we'll do something. But we're going to get through this. But you need to know that you're ready to meet Jesus. Nobody's ready to die. But you need to know that you're ready to meet Jesus when you die. Period. And that's, that's my message every time I get up here behind this pulpit. Do you know Christ? Do you know Christ? So, I'm going to skip the rest of it. But if you want to write it down for your notes... Um, I also had numbers five, one through four, kind of the same thing, but then also Matthew 24, one through 44, Jesus talked about the end times. He told us all this stuff was going to happen. He said, there's going to be wars. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. And what he ends up after he says all this stuff, Jesus talks about what it's going to be like in the last days, which I'm not up here saying, you know, he's about to come back anytime soon, but if I were a betting man, which I'm not, but if I were, I would say there's no reason to think he couldn't come back soon at all. Did y'all know this? I've been working on this on the kingdom of God. I know we're, we got to go, but let me say this real quick. It was about 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham. You do the genealogies, you add up the numbers. It was about 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham where he started the nation of Israel. About 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus, not exactly, but close. And then it's been about 2,000 years from Jesus to us. So, I mean, hey, somebody can start a conspiracy theory on that if they want. But Jesus said, Jesus said, you will not know when I'm coming. So there's no point in wasting our time trying to figure it out. He can come at any minute. We must be prepared. So this is what he said after he spent, told this whole chapter about talking about what's going to happen at the end. He said, this is why... Verse 44, this is why you are also to be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He said, when he got done preaching about all the terrors and horrors and scariness of the end times, because it's all scary, when it all comes to an end, he summed it up by saying this, but you are to be ready. Are you ready? Are your friends ready? And you need to especially be thinking about those that really may succumb to COVID-19. Are they ready? Let's pray together. Father, I pray that there's not a soul in this room that's not ready. Father, I pray that every single person in this place knows that they have placed their faith and trust in you and are looking forward to spending eternity with you. Father, we know that you've given us a mission to accomplish while we're here on this earth. You promised that we would suffer. You promised that we would have hardship, we would have heartache, but you also promised that our time here would not be long. And Father, it's true. 
in light of eternity, even a long hundred-year life here is nothing in comparison to eternity. Father, you have given us guidelines and instructions and, 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 and all these things of how we should live because we're going to live with these things until you come back. There will always be viruses. There will always be disease. There will always be wars. There will always be earthquakes. There will always be natural disasters. There will always be all these things. And we shouldn't just sweep them under the rug and pretend like they're not real. We should care about those who are affected. We should care about the lives of those who are affected by these things. But, Father, we know that we're going to have to deal with these things until you come back. You have not promised to shield us from them, but you have promised to be with us through them. And so, Father, you've also promised that there will come a day you will call each and every single one of us home, that all of us will either die or, or meet you in the clouds when you return, but that you have an eternal future awaiting us with no more of this, no more sickness, no more pain, no more death. And we look forward to that. But, Father, we need you here with us now in the midst of this. We need your comfort. We need your peace to know that we don't want to go yet, but, but because we have these things that we know you want to, to do, and we, we know that you've, there's a lot of people that you've placed on this earth that, that you still want to be saved, to spend eternity with you. So we know we have a big task in front of us, and, and we're not ready to give up on that task yet. But, Father, we know that when you call us home, we are ready. And so, Father, I pray that you will make sure that, that all of us in our hearts have peace, that we all know that we don't get to choose how we come in, we don't get to choose how we go out, but that we can, we can do what you've asked us to do, we can live the way you've asked us to live, and, and we can be ready, and that we can have peace, knowing that we will be with you forever. And so, Father, I ask for that. I, ask, I do ask for a special protection of all those here. I do ask for that. You choose when you intervene and when you don't. They're called miracles. And so, Father, we do ask for miracles because we do want you to intervene and protect. But, Father, we trust you. No matter what decision you make in each individual's life in this place, whether you choose to protect us or whether you choose to call us home, Father, we trust you to make the right decision. And we love you. And we thank you for your unending, undying love for us. We love you, Father. Help us during this time to share the gospel even more faithfully because who knows, people may be thinking about life and death now that they never were thinking about it before. Maybe they're more, they would be more receptive than any other time in the past to hearing the gospel message and coming to faith in you. And so, Father, let us, let us not squander those opportunities, but let us take advantage of them. Let us be faithful to you. We love you, Father. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name we pray. Amen. I love y'all. Not going to hug you. Not going to shake your hand. But I love you. I really do. And uh, I look forward to, I look forward to the, the life that God has in store for us. I look forward to those. Can y'all just imagine it for a second? Let's get our mind off coronavirus. Let's get our mind off now. Let's just, let's just imagine this just for a second. One day when we're all dead, we're going to be sitting around big tables we're going to be eating. We're going to be laughing. I don't know what pet y'all are going to pick. I'm going to have pets. I'm going to have, you know, one of those lions. You know, I'll have one of those at the house. Uh, I'm going to have dinosaurs because, you know, God made dinosaurs, and so we'll have them again. I'm going to have those. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm look. y'all have no idea how much I'm looking forward to, to eternity. I'm telling you. And the food is going to be amazing. I mean, amazing because... 
I'm probably not going to cook it because you know I can't grow it, but it's going to be amazing. I am looking forward to that fellowship with y'all forever. I am. We're going to know each other. We're going to wander the world together. We're going to create stuff. We're going to be inventive. We're going to do all kinds of stuff. I am so looking forward to that, which gives me strength and gives me courage for this. Yeah, we're going to, we have hard times and we always will. This is not the last hard time we're going to face or scary thing we're going to go through. We're always going to have these, but, but knowing what's ahead gives me courage for now. So let's enjoy the time we have together here and then let's enjoy the time we'll have together forever. Okay. Let's, let's just be a family. Let's love each other from a distance this month. I love y'all. Let's pray and then have our closing song. Father, we love you, and Father, we thank you. Father, draw us close together as a family. Help us through these times. Help us to, to comfort each other. Help us to look out for one another. And help us to, to point others to you. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Would y'all please join me for our last song? Y'all have an awesome, awesome, awesome week. I pray that none of you nor your families uh, will end up being affected by this seriously. Um, but you can, but know that I, I'll be there for you, and, and I love you. And, and I pray that everyone here, if you're not 100% certain that you know for a fact that you'll spend eternity with God forever, don't leave this place until you know that. Talk to me. Please do not leave this place. Um, but we all have people that we know that we're concerned about, that we love, and uh, we need to make sure that they have heard a clear, a clear gospel presentation. They know exactly what it means to give their life to Christ. So let's pray together. Father, we love you, and Father, we trust you. And Father, it's times like this that we lean to you and hold on to you and, 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 and accept that you will do what's right, and we trust that you will do what's right. And so, Father, it's not wrong for us to pray to, for protection. It's not wrong for us to pray for those we love to not get sick. It's not wrong for us to pray for you to heal. Father, it's right, it's right for us to pray for those things. But, Father, you have warned us that that is part of living in this fallen world. And that if you do not answer those prayers to heal when we ask you to, if you do not answer those prayers the way we want you to answer them, Father, we, we must trust you. We must trust that you know what's right and that you know the time that you want to call each and every one of us home. And, Father, we're going to trust you not only through those times, but we're going to trust you to comfort us in the times that follow. We look forward to what you have promised for us for all of eternity. We look forward to that perfect life that you have for us. And, Father, we are so thankful that you are here with us and in us now. We love you, Father. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.